Hello and welcome to the podcast. In today's episode, we do talk about some controversial topics that may have some trigger elements. Please look in the show notes below for the timestamps. I went to seminary with a guy from the Philippines named John Wayne Sri Lanka or something like that. <laughs> Pretty sure that's not... <laughs> I heard that name. Yeah, it's a family name. Uh, okay, so am I all good, set up? All my things are canceled, all my things are You're open. a little blurry on my screen. Have you gone to makeup well, yet? You're blurry on my screen. Mm. You know, Wonder, Wonderly has reached out and asked if we'd like to Wonderly? join the team. Wonderly. Oh, yeah, Wondery. <laughs> yeah, well, this is an offshoot, Wonderly. <laughs> it's the Christian one. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> that's Ronnie. So, Ronnie, take um, it away. People over stuff. What's why, that about? Why are you in so much pain? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to season four of Crazy Pastors. I'm your host, Christopher Cass. I'm the other one, Ronnie Marriott. And this is Crazy Past. Oh, he came out of my nose. So Ronnie and Robin Marriott have recently dairy. published a book. It's a very interesting what? book, uh, Anecdotes of Church Life and Being a, a Leader in Church. Oh. And so they asked me to do a review of it. Yes. And so I did, and I jokingly wrote down my title <laughs> as Legendary Podcast Host, and I will be darned if they did not actually publish it with that title. Yes, yes. And <laughs> so, readers have said that's the funniest part of the whole book. <laughs> <laughs> I every time I see the book now, I just chuckled myself, mostly with false pride, because that's awesome. But no, we have been in a series talking about healthy staff culture. Culture. And and really, man, there's so much being talked about out there in the the larger landscape. I mean, there was a season when leadership wasn't even on the radar of churches. Now it's dead Not center. Not too long ago. Right? And then yeah. now culture. No one was talking about culture 10 years ago. Now everyone's talking about culture. What made the change, Christopher? Do you know? Do you have any indication? I think it all goes back. Yeah. It all goes back to the conference that I spoke at on culture. When you started, and it just ignited. <laughs> it ignited the whole movement. Yeah. What were you culture code? Was that what you were in? <laughs> no, that's Daniel Coyle. Oh, okay. Uh, who wrote the book Culture Culture code. Club? You were in the Culture I Club. I was, in fact, yes. a backup dancer Huge. for Culture Club. Huge Boy George fan. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> okay. I don't honestly know, Ronnie, why okay. the culture's become such a big deal, a discussion point. But what I can tell you is that there's a massive difference between intellectual understanding uh, and practical application. Yes. And so I listen to a lot of podcasts today on church culture, and I got to be honest, not many of them are very practical. Yeah. Well... And, and, you know, we had so much unhealthy church culture. It was almost like a reaction out of that. Hey, we got to fix this. We got to start talking right. about the importance of healthy cultures and how to have them because most people don't. Most churches don't. Well, certainly, uh, you know, there have been some major podcasts that have pushed that forward. The Roy's Report, Julie Roy's, the <laughs> Roy's Report yeah. has yeah. certainly pushed that forward. And, of course, I don't, I don't, someone tell me if I'm wrong here, but probably I would think the most listened to Christian podcast 
ever was rise and fall rise and fall yeah uh, i would imagine so yeah which by the way christianity today where's the rest of the podcast man keep them coming yeah i know gosh that was so good yeah they kind of like promised more things coming and really well done so we in this season of crazy pastors have been trying to take a very very practical look (laughs) at what it is that our staff is doing let me start off by reminding yes. everyone that we are, in fact, crazy pastors, which is why we host this podcast. Thanks for including yourself in that. That's the first time I think I've heard you well, trying to be generous. In that time. Trying to be generous. <laughs> and as much as we work on this topic, we are not experts on the topic. But we're experienced. We have experience, yes. Yeah. Experts is a strong word. I mean to say, we don't have it all figured out, no. but we're working awfully hard at it. And in your consulting career, you were exposed to many different church cultures and pastors and ministers, yeah. so you got to see it firsthand without having to be deeply involved in it, But so that well, was great. healthy staff culture, definitely the last probably 10 years of my life has been a, a focus for me, Yeah, uh, trying to figure some of this stuff out, because the opposite is so true. Uh, yeah. Matter of fact, uh, Rick Cadden, the world's greatest business administrator, was uh, speaking at a conference Last week, the Texas Ministry Conference, and he taught a session on healthy staff culture. And yeah, he did. Yeah. Seven seven habits of healthy staff culture or something. He's yeah. he's always teaching the number seven There's about number something. Seven, seven metrics, seven facility things. Seven. The number of completeness. Right. But his comment was that of all the lessons that he's taught, this is the one that sparks the most interest, is the yeah. highest attended, yeah. and more people stick around in a line <laughs> to said. talk to him about yeah. it, right? Yeah, I said, how did you guys do that? How do, how do you have such a healthy culture? So Well... I find it very fitting that we are coming on our final episode of this series to talk about the very first staff cultural value that we adopted. Oh, wow. So we're finishing with the first. And so today's episode, what we want to talk about is the concept of people over stuff. Yes, people over stuff. That's a good one. It is. So if I can start us off. Please. uh, I have a select reading from John Piper's book, Brothers, We Are Not Professionals. It's 10 pages long, so... Have you seen the movie Brother, Where Art There? (laughs) Did John Piper write that one, too? I think he was in it. Oh, he was in it. Yeah. I think he was the, the sheriff. So John Piper did, in fact, write this book called Brothers We Are Not Professionals, and it had a, had a big impact in my life because it's the first time I came across the thought. I, saw, I, I was seeing a problem in church work that pastors would come in, they would have a typical three-year stay, they had to make massive change and improvement yeah. to the church within those three years so that they could get their next job. <laughs> and it, it was just this perpetual cycle of bouncing the the people of God around like inside of a violent chamber they never knew what was going to happen next or you know everything was changing all the time yep. and there was such an immediate reward system for ministers yeah. to succeed now well i don't know when the book was written when piper wrote the book but you know and i think it kind of was out of the bill hybels era when he was doing some really great stuff on leadership. That's interesting, yeah. his mentality was kind of that CEO mentality. So you started to hear pastors as CEOs. And so that kind of that concept of, yes, you're here to turn this business around, and you need to do it quickly or you're out the door. You know what? That's Yeah, there's probably a a massive connection there. I would think so. And for me, coming out of the corporate world into ministry, I definitely can relate to the sentiment of what Hybels was saying. Yeah. That there needs to be process, order, systems. We've sure. got to drive it forward. We have to grow, yeah. you know. But then, when I read Piper's book, 
it was the first time I really contemplated in a modern context this idea that maybe we should think and act more like monks yeah. than we do as business professionals. Yeah. Which, you know, I'm, I'm an old soul kind of guy. I dig those types of thoughts yeah. of the idea that a monk would show up into Chipping Norton Village and there is a cathedral being built. And as the shepherd of the flock and overseer of that building project that's already underway, yep. that his job was not to come in and and hire new architects and redesign the cathedral. His job was to carry on the work that was already happening. Yeah, That has driven us in many ways on this whole year 200 idea that you and I are not here to help this church be successful in three years, although I hope it is. <laughs> Our goal is yes. to help this church be successful for year 200, some 60 years from now. Yeah, if member serves me correctly, you served as a monk for a few years? Uh, Benedictine, okay. yes. Yes. Yes, that is correct. Oh, you were in the monkeys band. I don't I get those mixed up. <laughs> hey, 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 we're the hey. monkeys. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, we're the monks. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So reading that book had a big impact on me. The other component of that, I think, just carrying it out just a little bit further, is that I really feel strongly, and I know you do too, that as much as pastors need to come with ideas, with vision, with hope for the future, the balance to that should be that a healthy church already knows where they're going. Right. They already have a vision for the future. Yeah. And so a healthy church should be hiring a pastor, a lead pastor that comes in to facilitate the work they're already doing. Yes. Not recreate everything. Yeah, that's that's such an important shift in thinking. And a part of that does I think land on the part of the pastor as he gathers people around him, church members, whatever, to be a part of the vision and to see what's going. So when the next guy comes, that's that's how they're discerning who is to be that next leader. Does this person fit where we're headed? As well as the staff. You know, that's interesting. At least in the Baptist world, typically the staff gets to meet the candidate the weekend of the vote. <laughs> right. <laughs> so right. it's almost like we can't involve you guys. That's just not the way it's done in the Bible. Uh, until the last minute, which just is Hold ridiculous. I, I don't remember a view of a call in the New Testament anymore. Well, it was just Jesus. He had <laughs> one, but he turned over some tables and it all went, went south. But um, just that idea of, well, this is the, the people that the pastor's been pouring into and they into him for all these years. They know where the church is headed. They've invested in this. Why, do we, why are we not talking to these folks to see what, what is our church all about? And again, profiling is not the best way to do it, but What's the person, the skill set that we need, the gifts that we need to, to fit into this role to keep us going? Because if it's truly God's vision for the church, that's not going to end when the pastor leaves. That's exactly right. And so that leads us to this topic of today, people over stuff. So I want to talk about it strategically a little bit, and I want to talk about it operationally, uber practically. When I was a young leader hmm. back in my insurance days, oh. uh, anyone in if any of my former employees hear this podcast and need <laughs> counseling, I am happy to help support the cost of that counseling of the pain that I may have caused you. More counseling uh, than they've already received. <laughs> yes. This is additional counseling. <laughs> additional. Okay. Because I was I was a jerk. In my 20s when I was running businesses, I had no time, no patience for anybody or anything. Yeah. It was success at all costs. So I was a little bit of a jerk. I used to have meetings. We'd have staff meetings once a week, bring everyone in. 
And I would lock the conference room door <laughs> at 9.00, exactly. Yeah. And then I would put a sign-up sheet on the back side of that door. And everyone that would come in would be scheduling. I had you know a calendar set up. Yeah. And anyone that was late to that meeting that would not gain entrance into the room would then sign up for an interview to keep their job later that day. Wow. What a jerk. You didn't set them in the corner and shame them because they were late? Oh, no, no, no. No, okay. I would never do something like that. Because <laughs> no. I didn't think about it. Man. No. That's too much, <laughs> that Ronnie. <laughs> that would have been way worse than what I did. So transition that to today yeah. where we're in a staff meeting. It's all staff, the full room, and someone walks in late. Mm-hmm. So where I have grown as a leader is that I don't lose it inside when someone walks in late to a meeting. Instead, I am trusting and assuming that they are living out this cultural statement that people overstuff and that they were ministering to someone, (laughs) they had a family crisis or something came up that involved people that's more important than my meeting. Yeah. Now, that's not always true. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes people just oversleep or forget about a meeting, but what it's allowed me is space in my heart to not freak out about these things. But it still bothers you, right? I oh, mean, it still bothers yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I mean, but that's okay, right? I mean, that's but you've softened in how you respond to that. So <laughs> I'm very soft, right? Yeah. And and that's the that's the deal. It's you can't just remove the emotion from all this stuff. Things still bother us. You know, we, we still have deadlines, things, the pressures of getting things done. Right. And then someone comes in in need and it's an interruption. Yeah. It's a disruption of your flow and process, whatever. And so you have to deal with that emotionally and get over it or suppress it till you can constructively release that pressure. But it's not this idea, wow, that's never going to bother me again, or this issue is never going to, it's going to be so easy to do. This one's not an easy one to do, people over stuff. No, it, it's not. It is an aspirational goal that we actually yeah. try to work hard towards on a consistent basis. Yes. But it, it's, it's simply, I don't want to be cavalier about this. It's very, very difficult to yeah. do these things. It is. You know, uh, another area where it's easy to talk about but very difficult to do is the elephant in the room, right? How many times have you walked into a room with a group of people and you can immediately tell that things are uncomfortable here, <laughs> right? Every time I go home. <laughs> Now, is that just because Ryan is still living at home? Yeah, that's a part of the problem. No, he's a blessing. Sorry, blessing. So you walk into a meeting room, and you can tell just whether it feels chilly in the room or the energy level is not what it normally is. Or like for our team, when we walk into a staff meeting, I really do expect to to hear a cacophony of sound as people are talking (laughs) with each other and engaging and laughing and enjoying just being together. Right. Right. So you walk into a room and it's not like that. Something's up. So most leaders will not recognize there's a problem in the first place. Yeah. Emotional intelligence Didn't issues, read the room. you know, yeah. social intelligence, those types of things. So automatically, most leaders aren't going to do anything about it and they're just going to go straight into their meeting. Yeah. The, but that's out of ignorance. Then right. you have the group that will walk into that same room and not care. <laughs> right. So, of course. Right, and they'll just go straight in the meeting. We got to get it done. I've got stuff I got to talk about. We got things to do. Got people to see, places to go, and what did my dad used to say? I got places to go, people to see, and things to do. Yeah. Right. So walking into that room and feeling that tension and knowing, hey, there's something obviously that we need to talk about before we can even talk about anything else. Yeah. You know, it could be one of our staff members had a miscarriage. Yeah. Could be that you know a mom, one of their the parents passed away a day ago or so. Yeah. And man, it is completely counterproductive 
to -hmm. continue with what you have planned. Just stop. Let's spend some time in prayer. Or most likely the first step is, because some leaders are just not going to know, they have to ask the question, hey guys, what's going on here? Yeah. 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 And it's an opportunity to share a minister. And so people feel like, hey, these people really care about me. Because in reality, they're not paying attention anyway. (laughs) You know, something's just been revealed or something heavy then that person or those around that know about that, that's, that's all they're thinking about at the time. So it's kind of futile to try to accomplish some kind of task that you set out prior to rather than dealing with that issue. Well, I tell you one of my big regrets. I have many regrets in life. <laughs> this is one of my biggest ones. So when I was serving in Capel, I was invited to a city leadership meeting at City Hall with the city manager, and there were several other city leaders that were going to be there. It was a big deal. I was very honored to get asked to go to this meeting. So I'm going to the meeting. I'm going to City Hall. And as I'm walking in to City Hall, I see a man sitting on a bench to my left. And I can tell that something's not right here. Matter of fact, I'm going to even confess that the Holy Spirit prompted me in that moment to say, something's wrong. This guy is obviously hurting. You need to sit down and talk to him. And I didn't. I ignored that. Because I was almost going to be late. If I if I sat and talked to that guy, I was going to be late for this meeting with all these city leaders. Yeah. And as a church, we need those city leaders, and we need to have good <laughs> relationships with them so that sure. we can do the things we have to do as a church that sometimes other businesses can't do the things that we get to do because we're a church. Right. Right? I don't yep. know if that communicates or not. I got it. So I ignore that Holy Spirit prompting, and I go into my meeting so I can be on time. Because yeah. I'm a freak about time. And unfortunately, about 15 minutes later, that gentleman walked into City Hall, went straight into the restroom, and blew his brains out. Wow. wow. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. While we were in there at City Hall. Mm. And I had the opportunity. Oh, wow. I'm get goosebumps even telling you that. Yeah. I had the opportunity to sit down and talk to that Pretty guy. Heavy. Right? Mm. And I didn't. Yeah. So that is why, for me, this issue, people over stuff, yeah. is so important. Yeah, man, that's a, <laughs> that's an extreme story to follow up on that. But it's you know thinking about from a practical standpoint as a Christian, right? Even the stuff that I have. So we talk about ministering to people, but you've got something to do. But it even plays out to the things that God has given me. You know, Robin and I committed that our home that's going to be a, a place for people to come. We're going to have people over. We're going to fellowship with people. It's going to. We believe God gave us this house, even. This was the first house we got to build, so we designed it in such a way that we can entertain and have mm. church groups over. Our car, right? This mm. is stuff, if God says, hey, I need you to give your car to this person. Michael, car. you hearing this? Uh, <laughs> you hearing this, Michael? <laughs> yeah, you need a car. <laughs> then, you know, Robert Morris, you know, in his books on how many things he has given away that the Lord has told, houses, cars. I mean, yes. it's, it's phenomenal what he's done, but how God has always blessed him, given him more. So he can give that away, but that's just a great place to live in. There's no fear, and you're not tied to these things. You don't. It keeps you from becoming materialistic. But saying, "Yeah, people, if this person needs this stuff that I have, and though it's precious to me, and God says give it up, I've got to be willing to give that up because that's going to make as much more of a difference in that person's life and in my life too than just hanging on to something I don't want to give away. And I got to tell you, that that's hard for me. Yeah, that is something I'm not. I don't think I'm that great at. Well, you have nice stuff. Uh, brag on Don McMinn for a little bit, Dr. Don McMinn. For many years, I don't know if he still does it, but for many years, he learned this from, if memory serves, one of the wealthiest people he knows, that their goal was every single year that they were going to give away their most prized possession. Yeah. And so one year, 
Don and Mary received a Steinway grand piano. Yeah. That was this family's most prized possession. They had a piano room. It was a big deal. They had people come over and play it, and they decided this is becoming an idol to us. We enjoy it too much. We need to give this away. <laughs> yeah. And so Don and Mary got the Steinway, which is gorgeous, amazing piano in their home. Hmm. And so Don started to carry that forward. Yeah. And every single year they would talk about what's the one thing that we're becoming too attached to yeah. that we need to give to someone else. Yeah, I mean, this thing is bigger than a cultural statement. It is a lifestyle. Well, and for those that are listening, Ronnie, just this past Sunday, preached an incredible message on idols. But I really encourage you. I think it was a tremendously impactful message to me personally. So I would encourage anyone listening to go back and check out that sermon yeah. from this past Sunday. Yeah. Well, and the line that I stole from somebody, if you can't give it up, it owns you. Man, that has haunted me, Yeah. right? I mean, <laughs> That's that, a tough one. That really has haunted yeah. me, because there are some things in my life I just don't want to give up. Yeah. Not that you have to, but... Well, but I, I wrestle to. with that. Is that, in fact, an idol then? Yeah. Is this... It, it, am I too attached to the stuff? Yeah. Right? Oh. So anyway, I'm praying through... Many, many. You said write down three. I, I've got a laundry list yeah, of things. Yeah, well, that's a start, right? Yes. Yeah, but I think this all ties into one of the most impactful books in my life outside of the Bible is the Rosaria Butterfield, oh, Gospel yeah. Comes with a House Key. Yeah. And, of course, you can go to Radical, you know, David Platt, same kind of deal, but that she opened her home every Sunday or whenever it was. Her her refrigerator right. was open to her neighbors. And she, not, she prepared a meal yeah, not for the community. Were, not necessarily they were in need, but again, she demonstrated, I have all this stuff, and this is my food, and we work hard to buy this food, but I'm willing to give it up and give it to people to build that community, yeah. to build that relationship. I don't know, man. There are so People are so generous. Yeah. It humbles me deeply. Sean yeah. Bettis and Sarah Bettis, too, also, yeah. they are so generous. Yeah. They live their lives like an open, you know, canvas yeah anybody yeah come on over whatever we're gonna yeah we'll figure it out it's gonna be great i call them up what's going on oh, we've got you know 25 people from yeah. rwanda staying in our home for the next week or so what and i struggle i have a guest bedroom that goes vacant most of the time right and i struggle yeah. with opening my home to have you know people stay in our guest house yeah and it's, it's guest not... house i'm sorry wow scratch that <laughs> scratch that Lord guest yeah. bedroom <laughs> Wow. <laughs> that sounded horrible. <laughs> yeah. And which house are we talking about? Uh, yes. The, the house. Las Vegas house? The Caymans. The Caymans. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, but that, that same idea. I am thinking about selling the house in Vegas, though. You should. Yeah. Yes. They're getting a baseball team, so they needed the space. <laughs> Not that we're going to be called upon to do that, but when God does say, hey, you need to give this away then that's what we need to be willing to do. Yeah, I just think talking about practicality in this whole issue uh, for pastors out there, church leaders, again, having that conversation that this cultural statement is reiterated over and over again, telling your staff, hey, if there's an opportunity to minister to a person, drop everything, stop everything, go do that. Just reiterating that important thing, keeping people over stuff, so that trickles down to the different ministries in your church, yeah. trickles down to the people in your church, just across the board. It's a great, I think it's a great life statement to live by. I appreciate that. I think you're exactly right. And, you know, it, it even came up recently for our church. We had an issue where we had a budgeting challenge in a department, yeah. and that department actually had a major event that was already scheduled. They'd already received registration fees for, but they didn't account for the money properly. 
And so all the registration fees and everything they brought in for the event, they were all spent on other things for the ministry. Yeah. So we're getting ready to pay all the bills to host this big event, yeah. and there's no money. Mm. So again, people over stuff. Yeah. Now, I am ludicrously serious <laughs> about budgets <laughs> right. and about spending. Yeah. Yet people win, and there's yeah. 50 people scheduled to go on this event, and we're not going to tell those 50 people that already paid for it, Hey guys, I'm sorry. Right. There's no money for this. Event. <laughs> you, you guys are going to have to stay home. Yeah. So yeah. there's so many areas that this can impact. We certainly don't have it all figured out. Sure. But we're working hard on it. Well, hey, that's going to do it for this episode of Crazy Pastors. If you found this content helpful, leave a review on your listening platform or even share the episode with a friend. Hey. If you have a question, comment, concern, complaint, or even criticism, please email me at Christopher at crazypastors.org. We will catch you guys on the next episode. Deuces. On the flip side. Throat cancer?